Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! A quick note for this week's pod, we did have a little trouble with our guest Matt's audio. It picks up a little fuzz throughout, so we apologize for the sound issues, and we will have it remedied for next week's episode. Cause I'm in the shit house. Wish I played in a rock and roll band. Somebody give me a dollar bill so I can pass out on the jukebox singing honk, it's When I was growing up, like we would, like the family, we would plan like a vacation. For us, it was like in Mississippi, we'd go to like Destin or Gulf Shores, the Redneck Riviera, mm-hmm. as some know it by. Humble but like, brag. Yeah. <laughs> Humble brag. Uh, <laughs> but like as I've gotten older, I realized like I, I, mean, I hardly ever take summer vacations. Like my vacation can kind of happen at any point. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to plan a trip. And then, I mean, this year I went in June to Mexico City with, with my family, <laughs> strictly because it was my mom's 70th. Like I, I haven't taken a summer vacation in a while and like in years before that usually it's in the fall or or like in the winter because it's cheaper to travel then do you guys do summer vacations yeah i we just got back from one uh last weekend actually two of all places you're gonna love this is uh like jacksonville florida (laughs) (laughs) what my dad you know lives in baltimore and one, we were all going to get together because I got a brother in Utah, a brother in Colorado, my sister's in Connecticut, my dad's in Maryland, I'm in California. Yeah, he, we got to get together somewhere. Naturally, so Jackson. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it was more St. Augustine, but <laughs> for impact, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's we had funny, to fly right? into yes. Jacksonville. We had to circumnavigate. <laughs> and yeah, That's I mean, great. that was the first time, though, because it's it's really hard to get all of us together. Now, my wife and I will take, like, trips, but family, it's it's tough, yeah. Yeah, it is. Usually just your, if you still have parents alive, you're coalescing wherever the fuck they live, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the vacation. That's the easiest way to do it. For some reason, Florida is a great place to vacation. And I guess well, it the, doesn't... The beach, and it's hot. It so. doesn't... Does it count? Does, like, St. Thomas and the islands count as Florida? I mean, you got to fly to Miami, and then you fly down there. Yeah, Key, Key West is Key West is part of Florida. We went to St. St. Thomas like three years ago um, for a full week at like a Marriott, and it was amazing. We barely even left. It was just like pool, beach. There was no reason to leave. It, it was a it was a true like just resort, sandal style, all inclusive vacation. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, we had like a beach house last week, and that was the thing. My we were all like, "Who's gonna find the place or whatever?" So my dad did. He's like, "I'll find it." So he found a house that had a pool, had a uh, boardwalk right from the pool right out to the beach. Like, my wife and I ran out one day to get, like, when it was our night to do dinner, we went to Publix and got Fancy. a public sub and had that in the car. <laughs> Talk now. about a humble brag. we got some other stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and but that was the only time we left. It was, like, amazing. Yeah, that's nice. If you can, I've only been to one, like, all-inclusive type thing in Mexico, and it was... I mean, Neil's wedding may have been one, actually, kind of. You didn't have to leave, but you could, but we didn't really. But, like, one all-inclusive, that that shit is just, it's like, here, we'll take care of you. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't have to worry about anything. 
sweet. Other than like getting burned by the sun, awesome. Can deal yeah. with that. But if if you do more than one all inclusive, then you start to get judgmental about them, like and compare them. I don't yeah. know if you guys have been to more than one, but like now my wife is like, the Dominican was better than Jamaica, and I'm like, they were both pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I don't know, I had zero problems with either. So I, so from from everything we just said, so we're all in agreement that like the only place to vacation or worth vacationing in the United States is Florida, or as Neil likes to call it. Florida adjacent, which otherwise known as the Caribbean. Is that, yeah, is that right? Agreed. I agreed. Think so. Surprisingly and, enough. And our guest this week is Mr. Matt Betts. I'm saying Hello. that correctly, right? Yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah. Now, tell us how you spell Betts and why I'm asking you that. Um, it's spelled B-A-E-T-Z. Okay. And the A is, I guess, supposed to be silent because it's... That's German, but ah. um, Deutschland. Uh, so did it originally have like two dots over it? Yeah, it had an umlaut, and we, you know, brewed beer, and we had a metal band. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, 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 I may know. have an umlaut tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh boy! I'm sorry. That was so bad. I had to though. So Matt, you're coming to us from uh, from the Bay Area, and you uh, go back with Neil. Now tell us how you guys know each other. My brother. And Neil and a bunch of other people they knew in college, obviously, but friends that my brother and I had in high school, all yeah. started at Frostburg State University in like Western Maryland and went to school together. So I think the first time I met Neil was out there. And then um, when I moved to Los Angeles in like 2004, Nick was like, oh, Neil's living out there. You guys got to catch up. Oh, nice. I, I actually, man, I don't know if you remember this, Neil, but I remember the first day i came over to your old apartment and um josh another the other josh drummer josh day um, yeah. yeah he came over josh day yeah i've like talked to zach galifianakis like three or four times in my life about our mutual friend josh day and i met i've met josh like twice he's a hell of a nice guy but like <laughs> nice oh that's yeah. that's hilarious yeah i think when i met you matt you were I don't, and you may still be doing this, I don't know, but you were a comedian and you were like doing something for one of the late night shows. Is that correct? Yeah, I was uh, um, started doing stand up in 2004 and still do it occasionally. But yeah, COVID like kind of a lot, lots of things actually <laughs> impacted it. But uh, the um, we'll I just blame it on, on COVID. The, I was working on the Late Late Show out there. Ah. Um, yeah. Who was that? The Irish guy or was he Scottish? Uh, he was Scottish, Craig. Ferguson. Oh, Craig Ferguson, yeah. For all the folks listening, uh, they know what to expect now for the next three weeks. <laughs> lots and lots of jokes, like hitting it hard and making them laugh out loud uh, mm -hmm. on the treadmill or in the car or whatever, ignoring yeah, their yeah. wives. Um, <laughs> so when we have new guests, Matt, we like to ask them a few questions just so the, the listeners will know who they're dealing with. All right. So the first question is this. Give us an idea of what kind of music you're into, you know, like what's what you like to listen to on your, you know, on your downtime. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> this being a music podcast. Um, but I, uh, I like I, I, everything sort of for me sort of revolves around the Grateful Dead. Um, ah. I love their music so much. And I think the fact that I have a bro my brother that I was just talking about, who's a year older, his influence with it. I have another brother who's like 10 years older than us. He's a big fan. 
older cousins, so they always were. And I really kind of have always used that as sort of a, I, I didn't know I was using as that at the time probably, but like as a launching pad for other bands and like nice. learning like, oh, these these are covered. Same thing with Fish actually, just like their cover songs like opened up a door of like, oh, the Talking Heads actually have, you know, a lot of great albums <laughs> that I should <laughs> listen to and um, things like that. So, and also I'd say though, um, my wife is a big Lizzo fan. Um, ah, okay. She, so like that uh, takes us one way. And then I also have sort of a animal collective connection that I, mm. I love that being from Baltimore. And then I, I, my brother used to laugh when we were kids because he was a big reggae fan. Love Bob Marley had, you know, a Tam and like a pot leaf hat that my mom bought him for some reason. Wait, 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 wait. What's no a Tam? Like a knitted cap to put over his uh, non-existent uh, dreadlocks. When okay, was okay. 18. I was about to, this follow-up was going to be why got dreadlocks or no? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah. And the, but the, I re- the reason I bring it up and what is probably more embarrassing is that while he was listening to that, like I asked my parents for a, um, uh, this thing I saw on TV, Dick Clark's uh, rock and roll hits. Oh, fifth, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. So I like a 10 cassette tape set that mm-hmm. was like all doo-wop. And, and Nick, we used to like walk by and just be like, what are you listening to? But then as we got older, it kind of was like, no, actually a lot of this stuff in Bob Marley is yeah. bands we liked, you know, or we like now. So um, Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, okay. Got a little bit of a taste of what you, what, what you listen to on your downtime. Now, in terms of live music, I'm you're a dead fan, so I'm sure you've been to a lot of shows. Give us your top like two or three live concerts. Okay, so I'd have to say the first Dead show I went to in '93, so it would have been like June '93. They played at RFK Stadium. Sting opened for them. Wow. Um, Mississippi Half Step. I can still, I can still every time I hear that song, feel that. Yeah, moment. Nice. Like that place was shaken. So that was one. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I went to see Billy String. Not weeks, but it's probably been months now. I went to see Billy Strings at the Fox Theater in okay. Oakland, and that just blew blew my doors off. Like that Rip. guy band is amazing. Um, okay, so Billy Strings dead. Is there one more that sticks out? I mean, I feel like I should throw Fish one in there because, but there's so many. Like one that we might talk about later. I think I saw him at Merriweather in '98, in August of '98, which was unreal. Um, but also Big Cypress, the yeah. Millennium New Year's one was great, and actually one that I saw with Neil and uh, Nick in Greensboro. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was probably one of the best. Yeah. Well, I think it was actually after the first hiatus, after like they took a couple of years off and then they came back. And I think that was the last show of the tour. So they, they had their shit together. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. yeah we, we passed our two minute fish mark. <laughs> so we got Fish Collective, Grateful Dead and Billy Strings. OK, dig it. I got two more. Hollow Notes and Dead 50. Now I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to stand in the way of a Hollow Notes shout out. The, uh, so the last question is, if you and I, if this was, uh, if you and I were to hop in, the, hop in a car and just go for a ride, smoke a joint or have a beer or whatever, and I know you can't drink and drive or smoke and drive, but if this was like in the middle of nowhere and we were doing it like, you know, we did in high school or whatever, 
And I was like, what you been listening to that's new lately? And you were like, oh, check this shit out. And you fucking went to Spotify or however you listen to your music. And you were like, this, what would it be? The last Animal Collective album that came out, actually. Okay. Um, I was listening to that, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. So the Animal Collectives. Okay, I take it. Well, on that note, uh, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week, nothing in the intro is apropos to what we're talking about. Because nothing sounds like the Velvet Underground's Sweet Jane from their 1970 album, Loaded. Written by... Lou Reed and produced by Jeff Hollum, Shell Kagan, and the Velvet Underground, and released on Atlantic. I have loved the Velvet Underground since I was very young. I mean, I think I got into it from actually the Doors soundtrack. Heroin was on there, and I was like, "What? Who the ah. fuck is this?" Um, <laughs> And then I think I did get loaded first. First, like before listening <laughs> yeah, I got to the Velvet Underground loaded or to loaded the to album. Loaded. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. And it's funny, like I, I've always loved them so much. I've loved this song specifically as well. And it's funny, I remember when I was uh, in high school, I went to a college party and uh, I was hanging out with these college kids older than me. Thought I was super cool. They were like, man, who's who's your favorite band? I was like, ah, Velvet Underground, man. They are like, ooh, this kid's fucking cool. Wow. <laughs> now, but then not more than five minutes later, because I got them talking about Velvet Underground and Lou Reed, and they were talking about this guy, Lou Reed. And then I chime in. I'm like, who's Lou Reed? <laughs> I mean, this was pre-internet. Like, I mean, you, I You lost I all your, all your all hips for cred. Was like, the you, ga- yeah, you gained yeah. it and lost it in such a short <laughs> amount of time, Neil. That's impressive. Yeah, I Kudos. crashed and burned. But back to this song. I mean, I think it's one of their flagship songs. This album and the song kind of bridge a gap or kind of head into a new territory compared to their, their early, more darker stuff. I think the intro was amazing. I could probably do a podcast just about the intro of this song. I think it's uh, just right out of the gate they're doing something very unexpected. It's somewhere along the lines I've heard someone describe it. They were trying to almost make it sound like this crystal cavern of guitars, and I think they definitely succeeded there. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, I think it's all about this performance with the attitude. It's just, it really is a great song i love a lot of their stuff but this is one that really sticks out yeah man i you know opposite of you i you know didn't hear this tune until i didn't hear this band until college i had no idea who the velvet underground was because you know they don't really have any like smash hits i knew who lou reed was because he has a couple Mm -hmm. nationally known songs but i mean once i found out who they were i loved them I, i mean i listened to the album with the banana on it so much Sunday morning is still probably my one of my favorite songs, uh, just because that was like every hungover morning in college was like mm-hmm. bong rip. It was like Groundhog's <laughs> Day of bong rip and Sunday morning played to make me just calm down. But I, I, I definitely gravitated toward this song. Other than Sunday morning and maybe Pale Blue Eyes is probably my favorite song by, by them. Uh, it's definitely the rocker uh, that I like the most. Um, it's just very straightforward, very simple, but it sounds so fucking good. And that rhythm is just, I don't think I'd ever heard a rhythm like that, uh, before I heard this song. I love the fact that like what he kind of knows how to do is write some songs that like the vocal and the lyric, well, the vocal has like a little bite and a little pop to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, the harmonies in the song are just fucking awesome. They're so fun. 
And yeah, it just it just sounds like this song is just a really fun rock and roll song that you can tell was kind of written to be a, a, a hit. And I love the fact that like the way he sings it is like, you know, this too cool for Lou like vibe that he mm-hmm. has so that he can kind of turn on. And, you know, this is just a great song. And it's, it was a lot of fun listening to it this week. Um, <laughs> I think if I had to rank my favorite songs by musicians who I have mixed feelings about, this would be right near the top. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like, uh, I, well, first of all, I think, I, I don't remember the first time I heard this song, but I think it's one of those that's just sort of always kind of been there. Like, and again, like I think having... Yeah a set of older siblings like playing stuff that like we weren't weren't wasn't necessarily of like our generation but we got it like where everybody like goes through a phase of certain bands like we got like a double dose of it like our time with it but also like the residual like Mm -hmm. runoff of yeah adult siblings like you guys gotta hear this or even just like hearing it coming out of their bedroom i think that's probably the first time i heard it but also like you guys like just knew about Lou Reed well before that. Like I think Walk on the Wild Side is like I yeah. I actually think I felt Walk on the Wild Side was um like a fifties doo wop song that sounded a little more current, but like it would come on the same station <laughs> and like I wouldn't have been surprised yeah. at all to like hear it. So yeah, I just think Sweet Jane, in that sense, was like there all along, but I couldn't tell you the first time I heard it. I, it was it was yeah, in the ether. It's kind of, and always good. Like you guys are saying, I mean, there's it's so kind of simple and really complex. Like I was saying to Neil the other day, like I, it's one of the songs that I always try to play on guitar and like just cannot learn how to sing over top of it. The fact that you guys are going to do this is second like, that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's borderline impossible. I mean, it's like <clears throat> you have to have that ambidextrous kind of like like music. And the, the the vocals almost kind of pushing against it. It's not mm-hmm. the timing wise, just what they're doing rhythmically. It doesn't. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but tradition from a traditional standpoint, it does not. And it it is very difficult to do that. Yeah, sure. but it's so enticing to be like like when I'm sitting around playing guitar and I'll like just pull up you know guitartabs.com or whatever and i'll just jump around and play different shit once every five times i do that i'll pull up sweet jane thinking like yeah i'm gonna be able to just rip it it. and just like quit after the (laughs) third line (laughs) yeah standing on it never mind i'll tell you the other song that we've done that kind of reminds me of this when i'm playing it and it helped me kind of play it a little bit when i was playing around with it was uh into the mystic it's just a weird timing thing like he's coming in to sing like midway through the through the measure, basically. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and well, he it, hits it, corner like even the first one. Standing on the corner is the one. Standing yeah, on yeah, the it's corner. Just... Yeah. <laughs> and you think you're like, oh, this is just two chords, but it's not really. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> the thing about it is, it's very fragile. Like the whole rhythm and sound. I don't know if you guys agree, but this version is very special. Like, there's a lot of bad versions of this. Oh song. my god, yes, a lot of bad versions. Um, a lot of bad live versions. And just even the way like they're playing the chords on this uh, album track is so different. Like, Because it can just turn into this clunky rock and roll, just kind of like, oh, God. Yes, he, he proves that in multiple live <laughs> yeah, versions. Yeah, he's proved uh, it. But... <laughs> Standing on the corner 
But, but real quick, just something you said uh, when, when you first were talking about the song, Neil. Uh, cacophony of guitars or whatever you said they were trying to do at the beginning. I feel like that really has nothing to do with this song and everything to do with that it flows so well from Who Loves the Sun. Like, because it kind of maintains that vibe. And even mm-hmm. on the original, the way they were going to release it was there's no space between the first and second song. So the last note mm-hmm. on Who Loves the Sun, which I love that song, uh, is the first note of that little thing. It does flow really well into the guitar thing. But, like, yeah. it's not really supposed to be this, like, sunny, like, ooh, Who Loves the Sun? It's like, I mean, like, it's supposed to be a little harder. And my guess, by listening to the live versions, is that he wanted it to be harder. Because there's a, if you read about it, there's a lot of shit about him talking about, well, you know, I left the band, and they didn't record it like I did. And then other people in the band were like, yeah, he did. He fucking edited it. So, <laughs> so that, the hell there was knows? two of them doing, like, separate solos over top of each other to create that? Or is, how did they make that? that sound yeah i think two guitars both with like echo on them and well actually three guitars because there's two electrics and then there's a guitar playing all these the chords are all over the place it's definitely in the same key but it's just a smattering of wild chords but i feel like it does fit it's got the same kind of rhythm to it well it sounds like guitars raining Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. notes on you I, i agree with you in some ways josh it is out of place but i think it really works and it really is one of the things that caught my ear as an early guitar player i was like what like I, oh, I didn't yeah. even. I was like, I'll, I'll never do that. <laughs> but 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 that just is. to be clear, at a at a place from a just single song, album wise, it's not out of place at all. But I mean, it, it sets it, up it, the song well, I think. Oh, ab- yeah, absolutely. And so okay, so just coming in, that is the rhythm is so just. After you know this song, you're like, oh yeah, that's that song, and it does. I can't. I couldn't really think of anything else that really does that. Like or at least before that. No, I, I can't think of anything either. But it does seem very simple. It seems like, why? How did? How were they the first people to do this? Because it does. It it feels right when you're playing it. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah, there's a John, 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 Weirdness of it comes from that last. Well, if you play it in C, A minor to the G, that the last bump, 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 because the the first three chords are just are are played kind of with that rhythm a lot. But yeah. it's that last little tag. And, and I would say the other, like, kind of crazy thing throughout the song is he kind of just, other than the chorus when it just goes to the one and the four, it, it does that the whole way through. And my favorite part of the song, I think, is probably the bridge. And it, they're still playing the same chord progression that they during the verse. They just kind of alter something uh, melodically. He's just singing in different in a different place on it now. It's a little <laughs> different. It it's a little different. Not much, though. Like, I, okay, so I didn't know that until I, until I tried, tried to start playing it. I thought it was the same too, but it's a little bit. And it goes right into rock and roll, right, on the album. So I yes. just have a quick story. I, I used to DJ in college at Florida State, and when you start, you do 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And I had, like, nice. just actually seen this, and I apologize, I'm adding more fish time to this, but went to see them in August of 98, and they played Sneakin' Sally through the alley, and then they played Sweet Jane, and then they played Sexual Healing as like the drummers sang, and then and then they encored wow. with Sabotage. So it was like this 
<laughs> and I was at this buddy in college who's like best cover band I ever saw, man. <laughs> and that show, like, <laughs> really. But in any case, like, the Sweet Jane on there, I went back to school and I'm DJing. So it, like, during this 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift, they had, like, a set list of stuff we had to play. And this would have been, like, 95. So we had a, like, a lot of, of Montreal and your pre float on Modest Mouse kind of happening. And, um,. <laughs> But they also have loaded the and the box stuff. set in the back. Um, Fully loaded, yeah. yeah. So I would play Sweet Jane and Rock and Roll, and this guy calls up one night, and he's like, just thanks for the velvets, man. <laughs> 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 Nobody ever called yeah. in. Like it, it'd be like 4.15, and I'd have these <laughs> First time, long time. You, you fucking saved that guy's Maybe. life, probably. Yeah. I want to go back real quick, Matt. What are, what are your mixed feelings uh, about oh. Velvet Underground and Lou Reed? <laughs> uh, well, Lou Reed, like he's famously like always said like shitty stuff about, and I I didn't know if it was like because I've heard people say well, he's just fucking around or whatever and wasn't serious. But I mean, you guys have probably read a lot of this stuff, right? He's talking about a bunch of different artists here, and he's like Bob Dylan. Dylan gets on my nerves. If you were at a party with him, I think you'd tell him to shut up. <laughs> on, on, on I've heard that before, yeah. He's like, Tommy is such Jesus. How people get sucked into that. So talentless. And as a lyricist, he's so profoundly untalented. Philosophically oh boring. God. Okay. And then, uh, well, he loves Creedence. <laughs> and loves Andy Warhol. <laughs> and the Kinks. Uh, which are you know and that's just it it's like so much of it i like i love love his music so you're really hanging on to that you're really, <laughs> you know what like, i mean you fucking bastard yeah, you Fuck can't you. do that right with like artists yeah you can definitely tell the kinks you know love is there but just going back to the lyrical stuff you know him shitting on townsend and telling dylan to shut up what what is this song about i i had, i'll be honest with you i tried to think about like what I thought about that and then I had a feeling about it and then I looked it up. Okay, wait before you tell us looked it up. Tell us what you thought it was before you looked it up. I, I don't know if this is jumping sections because I've listened to your show before so I don't want to necessarily do that but like the feeling I get when I hear it, I, I think that's what it was. I was listening to it and had like a feeling from it, like a vibe of almost like where I'd love to hear yeah. it. Like where my like number one place would be. Oh, so, so you're vibing yeah, already. So could, all right, all right. You know, now I want you to save the vibe. <laughs> so, Neil, Neil, you tell us what you think this song is about, and then we'll come back to you, Matt, and you can tell us what it's actually about. Well, as per usual, I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> I'm not a huge lyrics guy. It's obviously about Jack and Jane. You know, I've never really thought about it. I like each verse kind of is just telling its own little story, and I guess they all kind of work together, but, yeah, I don't have a strong okay. take on exactly what it's okay. about. Okay, so... Here is my interpretation, and hopefully I'm close. I do think this is a bit of a... Matt, we have a thing where we call it rock and roll lyrics are basically just where you throw a lot of cool stuff in there, and it's just gibberish, right? So this this definitely is a bit of rock and roll lyric. But, it okay, it's talking about three people, first of all, Neil, because me, I'm in a rock and roll band. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, like, you know, obviously the focus is on Jane. I, I feel like... At, I went through a couple of iterations in my head. Is he the cool kid trying to corrupt her? Like, does the boss know what's going on? Is the boss her husband? And, like, this slick rock and roller is moving in. But I think I settled on, 
it's just a, a thing like this guy looking at this woman from the outside, this rock and roller looking at her fucking like monotonous life or what he thinks mm-hmm, is a monotonous mm-hmm. life and wanting her to loosen up and have some fun. And I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. All right, Matt, what's well, it about? And I, this is just one what one person wrote down, you know, it's just what one person wrote down. So uh, they said uh, it's not about taking life too seriously and enjoying the little moments. And, like, I think that okay. was it right there, like what you said, you know. The thing that I Dig thought it. about it was, like, I just, uh, well, now I'm going to save the vibe. I'll tell you in a minute, folks. Let's uh, do it. We're going to pay some bills. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a tease right there, uh, a professional tease from uh, professional comedians. So, yeah, there you go. All right, so, well, on top, so just before we move on from the lyric, favorite line? Do you all have a favorite line? Uh, the March of the Wooden Soldiers. All the protest kids, you can hear Jack say. Sweet Jack. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, you got you got anything? So my favorite thing is the third <laughs> verse. Uh, some <laughs> some people like they they like to go out dance, and other people they have to work. Just watch me now. Just watch and me now. Some evil mothers. <laughs> well, they're gonna tell you that everything is just dirt. Uh, you know that women never really faint, and that villains always blink their eyes, and that you know children are the only ones who blush, and that life is just to die. But anyone who ever had a heart. Oh, they wouldn't. <laughs> then you're getting into the bridge. I wouldn't just keep going. It's the whole like, and that's the thing, man. He, you know, didn't like Jerry, but he fucking is a good writer. I don't know what to tell you. I really have. I don't know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that I agree with you completely. That third verse through the bridge is just so kick ass. I don't necessarily know what it's about, but it's definitely about something. So, <laughs> and I'll tell you, Neil, you were going to the vocal part of this. So the vocal is just. Very particular, very, I think you were talking about doo-wop earlier, Matt, and just very, like, 50s greaser shit. When I picture this song, it's almost like him walking down the street and, like, almost a rocky scene, but instead of, like, running in sweats, it's like, you know, leather jacket, fucking black boots, sunglasses, and, like, he's just telling this, he's just, like, job talking on the street, and people are just following him, listening to what he's saying because mm-hmm. it just they don't know what it's about but it just sounds so cool and he looks so cool because his delivery is just so like yeah it's <laughs> devil may care like hey let me tell you how it is man it is but it's also very particular you know like i was saying just the little stuff he drops in even that line we we're just talking about i love the villains never blink their eyes Ooh. well it's it's very beat poet it's very it's very Kerouac. <laughs> yeah it was and when you were saying that josh like I didn't realize it until you started, and then I immediately remember looking at the record for Leader of the Pack as a kid, and, like, that cover mm-hmm. is, like, Lou Reed and what I'm picturing, that, like, yeah. Rebel Without a Cause kind well, of... Yeah, well, he's kind of the beat rock and roller, right? The way he says, like, yeah, hey, he's a banker. Like, he has a Boston accent, mm-hmm. and he's like, and Jeannie, <laughs> she is a... You know, and then... <laughs> Like, he's getting all sassy, and then, you know, the woos, and the watch me now, and he claps after evil mothers. Evil mothers! There's, like, a clap. You can see, you can, like, see him doing that, like, on the street. And he's like, you know, the, come on, baby, in the chorus. And even when he gets to the chorus, he's like, sweet Jane. Like, it's almost like he's making fun of Dylan a little bit when he goes into the chorus. And he's almost like, yeah. 
that's ignite. And speaking of just the the lyrics and the performance, um, just that the end when they go into uh, anyone who ever had a heart, just the way he's yelling that, it's so fucking good. Like, cause you don't expect the song to go there. There's a lot of unexpected things. In well, song. that's that doo-wop mm-hmm. thing. That's that doo-wop coming through. That that bridge brings you know the fucking uh, what's the guy who does Diana? What? Who's, oh, Paul Anka. Paul Anka, that brings like that Paul Anka shit mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. there. And what I really love about his delivery is that it's so cool. The harmonies sound like the group of people behind, like walking behind him, listening mm-hmm, to the story. Mm-hmm. They just get so into it. By the, by the time he gets to Sweet Jane, they're just like, Sweet Jane. They're like, yes, I want to hear more. <laughs> and so, and, and it's so funny because usually when I listen to a song, I kind of, I want to, I gravitate towards wanting to sound like the lead singer when I'm singing. And in this song, he almost sounds too, too cool to try to mimic so you, um, I, for me personally, like I want to sound like the guys following behind him, listening to mm-hmm, whatever the fuck mm-hmm, he's saying, because mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. I like it, <laughs> you know, because the vibe is so sweet, right? Yeah, and I think that's my favorite part, is like that. But anyone who ever had a heart into the the chorus, and I know that's no, uh, no, probably a no. cop out to pick the chorus as your favorite part, but like screaming that is like the whole reason you pick <laughs> yeah, and it's a very interesting again. part because it just it, <laughs> it goes up way high, but it's not the chorus, and then the chorus is right after that into the bridge, and then into the sweet lalas, yeah, and it's yeah, such yeah. a yeah. powerful line, like the line is just like yeah. anybody who ever had a heart, yeah. God damn, man. They wouldn't turn around and break it. And anyone who ever played a part, they wouldn't turn around and hate it. Now, did y'all listen to the one with the coda? Or, I mean, I'm sure we listened to both of them. Like the little add-on at the end that they didn't end up including on the original... The yeah. heavenly wine and roses. Yeah, yeah. Lou was pissed. Um, and I, when he smiled. That's a really good melody in that part, yeah. too. Well, and I love how it sets up that final la-la-la. Because that even goes to a different chord there. That goes up yeah. a whole step to la-la-la-la-la. Yeah, it goes up to E there, yeah. You know, from about halfway through this song, it just gets moving and doesn't stop till it fades out. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he's just having a... It, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And, and just real quick, so we, we should go through... Lou Reed, vocals, rhythm guitar, Doug Yule on the bass, and actually played drums, even though Maureen Tucker is credited. She was pregnant and was not involved in these sessions. And Sterling Morrison is also on guitars, and I think Yule and Morrison were also singing the, the backgrounds uh, in there. And then the, it was produced, as I said, by Jeff Haslam, who was a jazz musician in the early 60s, like Ornette Coleman and Duke Ellington. And then he kind of produced The Velvets and Yes and Jay Giles and Bette Midler through the 70s. So an an eclectic group of artists that he produced. And then Shel Kagan, whose only other uh, credit I found was the Sanford and Son soundtrack. Mm. (laughs) And so it was like loaded (laughs) to Sanford and Son. And then she was like, I'm good. I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. Go out Uh, on top. (laughs) So the production, I, I, I mean, it's very clear. It's definitely brighter and clearer than other Velvet Underground albums. It's not as like muffled and you can tell like they went in there trying to make some money on this album, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think so. And I think it was a a great achievement, just the production to get it to sound this good and just to really lock in that groove. The beginning was a really cool decision. I love the, um, 
kind of I, I can't tell if it's a synth or a fuzz guitar at the end like the that plays like yeah, almost uh, a melodic line i thought that was an organ I, I, well, it might be some, but I, I think it's actually a, a guitar that, with that. I think it's a guitar bum, with a fun, like super fun. It's it may be a little too aggressive. No, well, it's it's so kind of uh, subtle. It's just, I mean, well, the sound isn't subtle, but it's only there for a, a couple seconds, really. Like it it, it plays true, um, kind of in between the two bridges that he repeats, um, and then it plays at the end a little. Music bit. wise. Nothing's really, I mean, like, this song is all melody, rhythm, and vocal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that not, not much changes other than just the attitude and dynamics. Uh, it's it's pretty straight ahead. There's nothing crazy going on here except for just great decisions. sitting down by the fire. So just a quick fun fact. It uh, it was 3:42 on the Rolling Stone 500. So we kind of continue a little streak here of picking mm-hmm. top 500 songs according to Rolling Stone, uh, which is honestly the only opinion that matters in music, right? <laughs> Everybody agrees. Hey, with I'm that? down. I'm okay. down. I'm not saying it's the only one, but it's the uh... <laughs> Ben <laughs> Fong Torres. Ben Fong Torres, uh, <laughs> BFT for life. And also, I never knew that. Um, and you guys probably did, but uh, the, the the title of Loaded. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, for the from, about the record company saying like we want you to give us an album Loaded. With <laughs> yeah. So they called it Loaded, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I read this other thing, man, that was so funny, and it makes me love love him and hate him all over. But in the review, he's just like left them. Um, I left them to their album full of hits that I made after Reed had like left the band. <laughs> well, you know, he like left the band before they released it. Wow. Before it was done. Yeah. He was just like, all right, I'm out, guys. Later. Um, and that, you know what? That's not that's not kosher. But but we need we need to get we need to get it back, guys. We need to get it back. We need to start vibing. Uh, and Matt, you did tease us earlier, so I've kind of been on pins and needles <laughs> since then. Um, but there is a tradition here, Matt. You are the guest, so you have to cue us in with the vibe time music. In three, two, one. Ba 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 Sweet. Hopefully, we can get the license for that. All right. So, <laughs> let's stop down, start up. Meal, it's your song. When do you want to hear Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground? Well, I don't want to hear it live. <laughs> um, and honestly, I, I thought about this for a long time, and I couldn't think of anything super specific. It, it, it works in so many ways. I love it so much. You can chill to it. You can dance to it. It works in the day, the night. But if I had to pick one, I guess if I was at like a New York City dive bar and it was on the jukebox, that would be a good time to pull it up and okay. drop a quarter. Okay, lazy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I, I think this is another one of those songs, Neil. Usually we agree on this, but I think this is, I think this is an a by myself song. I think it's it's earbuds, walking through a park, on a sunny day, like going somewhere that I'm excited to get to, and like this song is making me feel good about it, because I do feel like this is a song where he's telling you a story as a listener. I, I just don't know if I want to listen to this song with a bunch of people, because I, I want to pay attention. I want to. You don't want to you know, scream that kinda... chorus with some good friends? Yeah. And... No, I don't. I want to <laughs> scream it by myself in my car. 
because I'm not going to hit it and it's going to screw. It's going to be, you know, it's going to go all over the place. I don't want to, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be self-conscious about it. All right, Matt, when do you want to hear this song? Yeah, I just had this feeling before I looked up what it meant of when I hear it, I think of like cooking dinner with my wife and sort of like hearing the song build up towards that chorus and then sort of neglecting the pasta and letting it boil over and like grabbing her hand and like dancing in the kitchen. Oh, I like that. And, like yeah. belting out yeah. the lyrics. It's a good visual, so man. It's definitely like a <laughs> golf clap. <laughs> well, I didn't realize, but yeah, I'll take it. That's fine. Um, forgetting. And then when I read what it meant, it was like about not taking it too seriously. Cause in reality, we probably wouldn't do that. We'd both be like, oh, shit, it's boiling over. We got to get the pasta. Why didn't you look at it? Why didn't you turn off the Lou Reed? Yeah. yeah exactly. Tell him to shut up. If you didn't have music on, we'd be that focused. Rock and roll. Like, put on your fucking vest, and I'm going to put on my corset, and we're going to fucking boil this fucking pasta. Oh. Uh, and then afterwards, we'll slide under the influence. How's that sound? So... Why don't we slide on the influence right now and talk about the influences of this song. Matt, why don't you uh, let us know what this song reminds you of, if you think it influenced anything. Whatever. It could be one thing. It could be many things. I mean, if people haven't listened to this album or uh, the box set, like, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, when my, And it was funny. We were I was playing this a lot, like, the last kind of week or so to kind of listen to it and the whole album and my wife walked there and she did exactly what you were doing josh with like singing a little bit like dylan she's like you know it just sounds like eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing because she's like you know it's petty it's dylan and then that made me think it, the traveling wilburys are just like that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. sense but also really just the doo-wop group thing and I don't know why I didn't think a leader of the pack, but that part of it, like that mm. since and walk on the wild yeah. side, like I said, but just that's always been a part of this group. And especially, I think this song and that, you know, that one. OK, OK. Neil, what what you got? Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say what all the Velvet Underground have influenced because it's pretty it's pretty deep. But even to what you were saying, Matt, like I feel like this song was a um, Lou Reed almost kind of took this song and made it a bunch of different things. I, I definitely hear his own satellite of love in this song, like a bum, 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 bum. Just songs that it reminds me of. It reminds me of Gloria a little bit, just kind of talking mm. about a woman, chanting out, powerful chorus, um, feeling all right, that groove that I think is similar wow. chords. Um, it also sounds... Oh, that's a good call, yeah. Sounds a lot like Beast of Burden, too. Just even the guitar. Oh, yes. Yeah, Did yeah. this come out? This came out before Beast of Burden, yeah, though, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then, you know, there's many bands... Um, Obviously, The Strokes, and I think uh, this song in The Velvet Underground remind me of Morphine a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'll, I kind of stick with what I said earlier. I mean, like, I, I, it's, all, it's a lot of 50s. It's a lot of, like, beat uh, stuff, and it's a little, like, I feel like it's the, it has the cool factor of Buddy Holly, Holly a little bit, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's, like, coming from that era of music and yeah like you said moving forward i mean it definitely i don't know if this affected like grunge musicians i mean probably more so like shit in the late 70s like punk some some punk was definitely i mean because this is so straightforward mm -hmm. yeah like that strokes and kind of that whole i suit where ironically wearing suit generation of rockers in like that 2001 to 2004 range right yeah certainly 
And yeah. speaking of uh, ironically wearing suits, I think it's time for us to slide under the covers and talk about the covers of the song, which there were there were many. Yeah. And I and I, I'm gonna start and it's and it's my turn to start us off. So I have a few now. The rock and roll an, an, uh, animal live, I think, is the best live version of this. It's got a killer intro. The guitars are very good, and that's a good version, especially when you compare it to the Max Kansas City and the other ones that are on the the box set. They are just mm -hmm. either too fast or too slow, and the audio's terrible. The early demos and, and stuff from that same box set are kind of cool, but I don't know. You can pass. The Metallica with Lou at the Rock Hall is, I mean, it's basically just a novelty rendition. It's kind of funny to hear Hatfield do the harmonies. Uh, CJ! Yay, yay! Cowboy Junkies. I actually enjoy that one. It's yes. uh, kind of your alt-country female vocal. It works well. And then another one, uh, Mata Hoople, Get the Fuck Out of Here. That's a, this is the second Mata Hoople cover that we've had. I can't remember the other one, but it's just pointless. It's like, why are you even doing this? Yeah, the only other one I'll mention the is the Diana Gomeros and Los Refugios Tiernos, which is for the Mayans MC uh, FX show. It's very, like, chill, having a drink at sunset vibe, and it works really well, so... That's I would say listen to that one and the Cowboy Junkies and the live and the Rock and Roll Animal. You know the thing about this song is like even if you Google it, Cowboy Junkies mm -hmm. comes up, which I don't know what that says about the state of the, the state <laughs> of the world or anything else, but like you know that's fucked up. That happens a lot. <laughs> Does we, it? Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah, like the, the most I, recent yeah. version will come up, and it, it it I guess it speaks to what people are looking for, but. Yeah. So, well, it's probably also and like I don't the Cowboy it. Junkies version was in probably in a movie or a TV show, and, and that led a lot of people to it, and so that's why it's popular yeah. on Google. Yeah, Natural Born Killers, and that's actually the thing is when I heard it, and mm -hmm. when I started thinking back about the first time I heard this song, it was like the Lou Reed version, but then also this other version that was like, and I I thought it was Reality Bites actually, when you guys that would first make said sense. this is a song we're doing. Um, but then I was looked it up, and it's Natural Born Killers, and then I watched that part. Nice. Um, and, I mean, it's great, and it's great, like, it, it, like you're saying about Oliver Stone putting heroin in the doors, like him putting that in this. Like, I don't know if he works with the same yeah, it's a nice soundtrack drop. people all the time. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the, the live version with Chris Christopherson, <laughs> where Christopherson starts playing harmonica, and Lou goes, no harmonica, Chris. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh I did not. I gotta hear listen that to that one. one. I did That's not hear amazing. that one. Um, and then the one on the Lou Reed album, I'm trying to think. It just sounded overproduced. It was like you're taking everything that was great yeah. on an earlier version. And Mop the Hoople, I listened to that too. And same thing. It was like, what's the like fine? But that's like if cool. You know, I somehow pulled it off and played <laughs> it out somewhere. Yeah. Um, okay. And Bowie produced me. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you were saying the. What live version were you talking about? Uh, rock and Roll Animal. I don't like any of those. Is that the one that has like the five-minute jazz guitar intro? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. God, I can't stand that. I like <laughs> it's such. It's a different song. He fired those guitar players after the tour. <laughs> I think. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> and then they went on to work with Alice Cooper for like the remainder of his career. Hmm. Um, with this song, most covers, I'm just like, oh man, Sweet Jane, you don't fucking deserve this. This is terrible. <laughs> um, but the Cowboy Junkies, I mean, it really is a hell of a cover. And I was thinking, I was, I was 
thinking it was really cool what they did with the arrangement and this and that. And I was like, God, I'd love to hear Velvet Underground do this. And then I realized that's just a live, they're just doing a, a version of the, the live. I forget what album it's on, but Lou and Velvet Underground do it exactly like they do it. Um, which was funny because like I really it was almost within the same five minutes I was like man I really want to hear this and the next song I was like live I was like oh there it is <laughs> sweet um, <laughs> but I do like how the Cowboy Junkies they bring they make it a little darker they almost in some ways sound a little more Velvet Underground like almost like the early stuff it's kind of just more mysterious and dark and not- they're 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 pre-sellout is what you're saying you're like the cowboy junkies are pre-sellout velvet underground version of the <laughs> yeah, song yeah. okay got it all right neil <clears throat> neil marsh hot take and then beyond that my girl miley does a nice live cover um this guy hollis brown did a nice cover it was it was definitely respectable do you does anyone know that name no okay it was pretty good and then i watched david duchovny uh kind of follow his way through it which was fun oh my god on a very special episode of i love the fact that you didn't bring up any fish covers oh wow how did we do that well matt did earlier although i will say this is one of the better fish covers that that we've had on the pod in my opinion it was more listenable listenable i did listen to to one of them and it was more listenable than most i was disappointed for sure Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I dig that they actually did the intro. Um, and then just, I needed a little more from Paige. He just wasn't, he wasn't bringing the, that, uh, he wasn't hitting the notes. <laughs> Are you talking about him playing keys he was singing or it. singing? He was singing it. No, they never hit the notes singing. <laughs> I mean, the songs, he sounded fine for them. Fish, fish covers, covering songs sounds like, like they a, a really good fucking band at a karaoke well, bar just bringing up some rando to like sing a song and be like hey can you sing this and they're like fuck yeah i can fuck sing yeah. it and they're like ah this will do just give me two bud lights and a xanax i'll be fine they're just like singing in time and we're good <laughs> right. right we definitely surpassed our fish quota by a long large margin tonight I'm not going to be invited <laughs> back for the two subsequent It's time to weeks. talk about the shoes. Uh, Neil, it's your song. How does the shoe fit for uh, Sweet Jane uh, by the Velvet Underground? It's a perfect fit. Um, and I see it in my head. It's kind of like cartoon shoes. I almost want to be in an illustration walking down into that subway from like the um, the album cover. Like it reminds me of like an R. Crumb uh, illustration. Are you like, so, are you like a bill that's not yet a law wearing those, kind those of shoes the same walking style into the New York subway? Yes. Big old clunky <laughs> shoes, just walking with a, with a purpose. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt, what you got? So I know I've been talking about the doo-wop part with this a lot, but this took me in another direction when I was thinking about this question. And when uh, growing up um, out at that house Neil was talking about, we lived like within walking distance of the Gunpowder River, and we grew up going tubing oh, there. Nice. Um, and we had a shelf in our garage of all these old ratty, just and they, you know, they were pre Crocs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like these were just old ratty tennis shoes that you'd grab oh, yeah. a pair of. They weren't the right size. They usually still had like pebbles in them from the Shake last trip down the river, and you'd like. You, you'd put them on and that pain in my fo- like your foot from the pebble or whatever they were painful to wear like as you walked down to the river and you would like shake them out um, but then when you stepped into the river and you had like tree trunks and tires yeah. and bottles and you were happy you had them on so it was oh, that okay. kind of vibe like, dirty, like that. dirty river shoes sometimes you're painful, talking about river, river like, shoes right there they, 
but I'm like a comfortable <laughs> pair of river shoes, man. And you're like, I'm glad. Oh I had man. You. So I mean, I'm, I feel like I was going with the. I feel like we at least two of us were going to go with the, you know, the black cargo boot, like aged and torn and cargo boot and 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 the, and the coolest looking fucking uh, boots on the block, baby. <laughs> I dig it. You I have boot sunglasses on as well. Like there's some boot sunglasses on. Like you tie them and then you put your boot sunglasses on. <laughs> Wait, copyright, by the way, copyright boot sunglasses. Some boot shades. I'm, th- I'm gonna throw that out there right now. Uh, and on that note, uh, our cover of the Velvet Underground's "Sweet Jane." in my hand Jack is in his coat and Jane is in her vest and me I'm in a rock and roll band <laughs> riding in a studs big cat gym you know those were different times oh all the poets they studied rules of verse and those ladies they rolled their something jack he is a banker and jane she is a clerk and both of them save their monies <laughs> and when when they come home from work ooh, sitting down by the fire oh, the radio does play the classical music there jim March of the Wooden Soldiers All you protest kids You can hear Jack say You ready? Sweet Jane Come on baby Sweet Jane Oh Sweet Jane Now some people they have to Go out dancing And other people's They have to work Just watch me now there's even some evil mothers But they're gonna tell you that Everything is just dirt You know that women Never really faint And that villains always Blink their eyes Woo! And that you know Children are the only ones Who blush And that life is Just to die And everyone who ever Had a heart Turn around and break it And anyone who ever played a part Well, they wouldn't turn around and hate it Sweet Jane Whoa. Sweet Jane Sweet Jane 
The cover you just heard was performed by Neil Marsh and Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give us a good rating wherever you listen. And if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is your week, Josh. What are we going to do? We are going to finally, finally discuss Credence Clearwater Revival, specifically as long as I can see the light. Can't wait! (laughs) Ha 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 ha!